Chapter 5. A Park Above the Clouds. Pulling into the parking lot, I am just a few hundred feet away from the main overlook viewing area. However, because of the way the land is sloped, I have yet to lay eyes on the canyon proper. I can see off in the distance, where there is a break in the thin tree canopy that opens to empty sky beyond. I have the park map unfurled in my lap, and am reading over the description for the waterfall's trail. As I read, I experience a slight sense of trepidation. Visitors should note that this trail is strenuous and is not suitable for everyone. I figure that if I am about to run the trail the next day, it should not be a problem for me to take a nice scenic walk through the terrain. After all, my only goal for the rest of the day was to lay eyes on the canyon from the rim and to visit the waterfalls. I feel I have plenty of time to spend on the trails, even if they are difficult. From all that I had read, the three waterfalls within the canyon are supposed to be stunningly gorgeous. More specifically, though, the waterfall trail is an important part for the race route tomorrow. I am pretty sure I will not have enough time the next day to do much sightseeing, but plan on racing the whole thing. I figure I will not be on the trail for more than two hours and decide to travel without my backpack. I down a few cups of water, grab my phone and trail map, then set out north to the main overlook. After a minute and a half walk, I am rewarded by a breathtaking view of the Cumberland Plateau via the rugged Cloudland Canyon. Jutting out in my immediate view, I see the West Rim, a massive pile of sandstone rock featuring a rounded peak blanketed by a tall slender trees with low-lying shrubbery. The edge of the mountain before me abruptly drops off at what it looks like to be a 90-degree angle, straight down over 900 feet below. I try to comprehend what I am seeing. The whole canyon is this way. When the ground reaches the side of the canyon, it dramatically falls away, descending to the gulch below. I take a few pictures, then amble over to an informative display that showcases what the viewer is seeing. I am overlooking Sitton's Gulch, which begins at the base of the canyon and stretches out to the edge of the state park's northern boundary. Beyond that is Lookout Valley and Sand Mountain. Along with the stretch of the park and Lookout Mountain, these areas make up the vast Cumberland Plateau. As I look out over the canyon, I notice movement out of the corner of my eye. It is a lone runner, heading straight for me. I quickly note that across their chest is a race bib, just like the one I received only a few minutes earlier. I think aloud to myself. It must be one of the half-marathoners. Sure enough, as they get closer, I can make out the race logo on their bib and give them a heartfelt keep-up-the-good-work message of encouragement. Noting the way they came, I double-check the park map and see that they came from the direction of the waterfall's trail. I take a few more quick photos with my iPhone and begin heading down the path. Every few minutes, a lone runner passes by me, and I give them all some sort of encouragement. They all look extremely tired at this point, offering an out-of-breath but appreciative thank you. This waterfall section appears to be no joke. When I get to the first flight of stairs, I am overwhelmed by just how far down I will be going, just how many stairs it will take to get me there. From the trail map, I learn that there are over 600 steps that lead down to the bottom of the canyon. I take it one step at a time, slowly descending. In the distance, I can hear the gushing of water echoing off the canyon's walls, letting me know I am close. When I spot the first trailhead of the waterfall's trail, I see my first glimpse of the race organizer's signage and course markings. The race route tells runners to head left first, towards the start of the canyon, for an out-and-back loop, then continue heading down the canyon to each successive waterfall and additional out-and-back loops, till eventually you make your way all the way down to the end of Sitton's Gulch, at which point runners then head back up the trail to the main overlook trail. 
This is good scouting for the race tomorrow. I head left on the trail, and after about three minutes, come upon a stunning waterfall, cascading 50 feet down below, over the canyon wall into a serene, shallow pool of water. The pool, from where I stand, stretches about 100 feet across to the other side. This waterfall marks the beginning of Daniel Creek's entrance into the canyon. Further down the gulch, Daniel Creek is joined by Bear Creek, and together, they are the primary contributors for how the canyon has been carved out over the centuries. Scientists speculate that the canyon was once located at the bottom of an expansive ocean and was formed by several earthquakes that took place more than 200 million years ago, beginning in the Paleozoic era. All around, there are various sizes of sandstone and shale rocks littering the base of the splash pool. I can only imagine the forces that caused these rocks to end up here and how they have been weathered out by the creek itself, eventually creating the smooth stones that I observe now. The waterfall reminds me of a location from Kung Fu Panda, the Pool of Sacred Tears. The movie is one of my kids' favorites, and mine too, if I'm being honest. After breathing in the moist air for a few minutes, I turn around and head back in the direction of the other waterfalls. As I walk, I note for the first time how difficult the terrain is. The ground is covered in sharp, damp sandstone rocks that are not only slippery, but each time my foot plods on the hard surface, my minimalist running shoes shoot feedback up my legs to let me know just how unforgiving the rocks are going to be tomorrow. My footwear for the past several years, and what I plan to race in tomorrow, will be a pair of zero shoes. After suffering from several recurring lower back, knee, and foot issues, utilizing traditional footwear, I found myself wondering if I was doing something wrong. I have always felt that running came natural to me, but was disappointed that each time I started to ramp up my training, I had to be extra careful to avoid injury, either backing off mileage or doing more, co- more cross-training. At the time, I followed conventional running wisdom and had a different pair of shoes for every train and wore heavily padded shoes with a high heel-to-toe drop to provide extra comfort on my runs. In the mid to late 2010s, I had been wearing a pair of Brooks Pure Connects and noticed that they had a lot lower drop or heel-to-toe ratio than most other shoes. Even still, I would eventually get a common runner's injury like runner's knee or lower back pain. I started to rethink my footwear and wanted to escape the flashy colors and the ever-changing designs that modern shoe companies were producing. I wanted to take my footwear back to basics. In searching online for a pair of zero-drop shoes, I discovered Zero Shoes. The brand developed shoes that have minimal padding and cushioning underfoot, a wide toe box, and zero drop. All things that will help the runner live feet first and allow one's foot and body to develop its own cushioning system with one's own muscles and joints rather than heavy cushioning underfoot. For the past few years, I have had a few different pairs of zero shoes, and they have all worked very well for me. I have experienced no more common running injuries and feel that my body has gotten stronger because of them. After visiting the waterfalls, I decide to head further down the trail and explore more of Sitton's Gulch. As I stroll along the cascading, boulder-strewn creek, I see a few other hikers and a large group of fathers and sons taking a break on the side of the trail. Seeing the kids there, I feel a pang of loneliness. Experiencing the park is great, but it would be even better if my family were here with me to see it too. I pull up my phone to give my wife a call. Wow, I have a great signal down here. I connect with my wife on the call and continue strolling down the path. We catch up on our activities for the day, and she assures me that all is well on her end. She informs me that our kids miss me, but they are doing great. I can actively hear them playing in the background. I let her know how beautiful the scenery is here as we switch to a video call. After a few minutes of FaceTiming her, some of the view, and her showing me the kids, we make plans to call each other later tonight when I am back in the hotel room. 
As we hang up, she tells me to make sure that I am taking it all in and enjoying it. She knows how important the race is for me and how much time I have invested to make it here. I assure, that, I assure her that I will, and as I hang up the phone, I am once again greeted by the sounds of the trail. Growing up, I would often get to points in my life where my mind was in a bad place, whether it was as simple as me holding some resentment at my brother or sister from some petty argument that we had, being stressed over my homework, or in some state of angst about a test that I had coming up. On each occasion, I would head out into the woods for a walk to clear my head. Where I grew up, walking around outside was a readily accessible pastime for me. Being in nature, even without me putting a name to it, would help me clear my mind as a young teenager. As I would walk, the sights, sounds, and smells of forest bathing were enough to put my mind at ease. As I walked, I would usually carry on one-sided conversations with myself and just spill out all my problems and issues that I was facing. Later, as I began to develop a sense of appreciation for nature and a knowledge of God, I learned that being alone in nature and being rejuvenated by it is something very common for those who are open to it. In the Bible, whenever someone wanted to be closer to God, they did not go to a church or other man-made structure, but instead went outside, either to walk in the wilderness or to climb a mountain. Seeking solitude apart from anyone else is something that I must have in my life. Several years ago, I read the book Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus by Dr. John Gray, and in it, he pointed out that for most men, they must have some moments, either daily or weekly, to retreat into their cave and have some alone time to regroup. This has been a true axiom for me in my life. As an adult now, I do not get as much time in the woods as I used to, but running has allowed me to seek out different places to run, away from the hustle and bustle of traffic, where I can get some one-on-one time with nature. The motion of moving forward, the wind rushing through my hair, and the sound of my footsteps plodding along the ground when I am running is a meditation practice for me, just as much as it is a physical workout. Walking through the woods now, I feel the same sense of comfort wash over me. When I get to a good stopping point on the trail, an open expanse of forest where the trail starts to jet away from the river, I feel that I have covered enough territory for one day. I turn around and head back the way I came. On the walk back, I tediously cross the boulder-laden stream and go up and down several steep, punchy hills. The park truly has some amazing geography. The canyon and surrounding area officially became a state park in 1938 and has been dazzling visitors ever since with these same views and vistas that I am enjoying today. I feel very happy that I have been able to visit the waterfalls this afternoon and experience this part of the trail. I feel very happy that I have been able to visit the waterfalls this afternoon and experience this part of the trail, not only because it gives me a good idea of what to expect for the rest of the park in the race tomorrow, but it has been a sheer delight to soak up in the park's beauty on a calm day.